Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Make Way for the King by Pastor Sean Wood. Let's pray as we come around God's Word. Father, we thank you for everything that the festive season means. We look forward to catching up with family, Father. We look forward to celebrating and giving gifts, but we remember the moment the King came into our world as a baby. And so this morning, open our eyes and our hearts to see more of the King, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you'd like to meet me in Malachi chapter 3. Uh, we'll continue uh, for our liberal theologians this morning. Uh, that's the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, one of the first jobs, I had many jobs when I was in Tasmania, one of the first jobs I had was repairing radiators. Uh, that's car radiators, and uh, we would do all sorts of different repair jobs. For those who don't know what a radiator is, your water passes through the radiator. Uh, there's a gauge there that says hot or cold on the dash. Ladies, you're saying I ignore all of those gauges. Uh, my mother-in-law has a spiritual gift of ignoring the fuel gauge. Uh, so it's one of, but uh, we would uh, we would rebuild radiators, we would clean them out, and sometimes we would repair them uh, when they got a leak. In fact, we had a motto at Icons Radiators: it was the best place in town to take a leak. A leak. And everybody said, "Where did we get this bogan pastor from?" <laughs> You'll be pleased to know it wasn't New Zealand. Uh, but one uh, one time in the office. We've got to make the New Zealand jokes, Corbin, it's okay. Uh, one day in the office, a phone call comes through from a company that we did a lot of work for, and they had a large piece of machinery on a logging coop a long way away, and they said, look, uh, it's only a small job. He introduced himself as the bush mechanic, and I didn't even know that was a position, but when I met him, I understood why they would put him out in the bush. And so after, uh, after a long conversation, we agreed I'd go out into the bush and try and fix this machine out in the bush. I've got my tools out there. And while we're out there, there's a lot of machines. Uh, there's logging machines. They added a machine called a tiger cat, which can grab a tree, cut it, strip it, and throw it all in about a, a minute's time. A wonderful machine. And, and while I'm fixing, it wasn't a small job, by the way. It always starts out that way. But while I'm fixing, a, a call comes through from the guy on the tiger cat. He's worked his way all the way down the bush to, uh, to the bottom of the hill where this creek is, and he's broken down. He says to the mechanic, while you're here, I, I need you to come and rescue me. And the mechanic's like, I, I can't get down there. I need my ute. I need all my tools uh, to be able to help you out. You're going to have to get the machine back up there. He said, I, there's no possible way I can. And at the same time, a call comes through on the radio. A guy in an excavator says, leave it to me. Now, in... In between the mechanic's ute and that tiger cat was stumps and rocks, trees, and this D8 or D9 caterpillar dozer didn't even, didn't even blink. It just pushed a path between the ute, and he just drove his ute down like it was a main road, fixed the machine and drove back up. And I thought, Wow. You know, I was thinking about that recently and sometimes in our own lives and our own hearts can become like that bush. And today, before we go any further, 
I pray that we would make way for the King. And sometimes in our own lives and in our own relationship with the Lord, much gets in the way and God's got to do a clearing work. And that's where we find Israel in in Malachi chapter 3. For those who who have been tracking with us, you will remember that Malachi or Malachi, uh, he's, he's prophesying to Israel about a hundred years after they've returned back to the, the land. They've been in exile. This is post-exile. The, the walls are rebuilt. The temple's been rebuilt. But, but the spiritual condition of their heart has become very distant from God. And so the hallmark catch cry of Malachi to the people of Israel is, return to the Lord. Then he highlights how you do that. And today, as we, as we come even into Advent season, as we come to Christmas season, remember when the baby was born, but there was no room for him. They had to settle for the inn. I wonder whether there is room in our hearts. I wonder whether we need to make way for the king. I wonder whether, just like the people of Israel, we have allowed the things of this world and our own life to distract us and clog us up. And there's some good news this morning. You see, for the Israelites, they had arrived at a place where they were sceptical of God's love and they were sceptical of God's promises. They had in their mind, when when they read through the prophecies of Isaiah and when they heard the prophecies of Jeremiah, they, they had in their mind what that looked like. They had in their mind an idea of what God's promises looked like. Isn't it interesting how God doesn't sort of work according to how we imagine sometimes? Anybody else ever had a great plan for God? Anyone ever got that friend that's got a great plan for your life? Sometimes it can be like that. And for Israel, what had happened was uh, their their worship had become distant. You see, sometimes we can make the mistake of thinking that it's the offering and the gift that makes the worshipper acceptable to God. But what Malachi says to the people of Israel is, no, 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 that's not the problem. It's the worshipper that makes the gift acceptable and pleasing before God. And sometimes we we work furiously. We think, well, you know what? It's all about what I do. It's all about my performance. It's all about what I do. And and the more I do for God or the more I... That will make me acceptable. And and what we find with Israel and in our own lives is it's the heart of the worshipper. That's what Cain and Abel teaches us. The worshipper that is bringing the gifts. And what we see with Israel is uh, God gets to the point where he says, just, just shut the doors to the temple. You guys are going through the motions. You guys are turning up to the temple every week. Uh, the sacrifices are still happening, but you're bringing all your blind lambs. You're bringing all your blemished stock. You're bringing, you're bringing God all of your leftovers. And, and if that wasn't bad enough, it's an indicative of what the heart condition is. They drifted away from God. They had become faithless for a couple of weeks ago. For those that were with us on the 19th, they'd become faithless. And, and we, we had a look at Paul and what it meant to keep the faith. They'd become very lax in their agreements. And today, if there's a verse that speaks to this year, 
Uh, when I read this verse, uh, the last verse of chapter 2, if there's a verse that kind of sets the contrast and the background uh, for a lot that's even happening in the church today, uh, have a listen to this. You have wearied the Lord with your words, says Malachi. But you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. Uh, throughout this year, uh, and for those who, who have journeyed with us, there was... Much of this year was taken up in discussions with our denominational leaders that were saying just that. That everything that God has always said is sin and is evil and is wickedness. Not only were they saying it's okay, but it's also acceptable now in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord doesn't change. What I love about God is that God never leaves us there. You could look at the landscape, you could look at the spiritual climate uh, amongst Israel at this time and you might say, you know what, things are pretty dark, things are pretty... Maybe there's people saying that today amongst the church. Maybe there's sections of Christianity today. Maybe Maybe there's people saying exactly the same thing. Things look pretty glum. But oh, oh, make way for the king. What Malachi will speak now, of course, we know is a definite reference to Jesus and when he comes, but there is a lesson for us today. Uh, For those that are tracking with us in in, uh, Malachi chapter 3, it says, Behold, verse 1, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way. Uh, A little bit more about that before we go any further, but we need to know there's three identities in this first paragraph. We're going to read about the messenger. We're going to read about the Lord and the messenger of the covenant, and we're going to read about the Lord of hosts. The messenger, before we go any further, the messenger is a direct reference to John the Baptist. Jesus confirms that in the gospel accounts. The Lord and the messenger of the covenant that is coming to his temple is none other than Jesus himself. And the Lord of hosts is God the Father, the Ancient of Days. As we read on, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Anybody ever asked why John the Baptist had to come? Anybody ever wondered, what was, why did Jesus need John the Baptist? Why would he need a messenger? Why was John the Baptist called a messenger? And what part did he play in the arrival of Christ? Interesting, in ancient days, uh, there was a custom that when a king, an ancient king or a royal dignitary, would visit a, a, a province within their reign or rule, what they would do is they would send messengers out. And those messengers would go to all of the villages and to all of the towns and, to, and they would herald, prepare the way because the king is coming. That was their message. Their message was prepare the way. They didn't need to say any more than that. All they needed to say was prepare the way and everybody knew what that meant. What that meant was we need to go out to the roads and to the paths and we need to, we need to fill in the potholes, we need to clear the debris, we need to make the travelling and the journey easy for the king. That's what Malachi is saying now to the people of Israel is prepare the way. God is going to prepare the way. God is going to clear the way. And he always sends his messengers before he does it. Still does it today. Now today, I'm not talking about the return of Christ, but I firmly believe that the king will visit his temple. 
And today, I echo the words of Malachi. I don't consider myself to be a prophet. I don't consider myself to be prophetic, but I would echo the words of Malachi, prepare the way for the king. You see, Israel thought they were ready. Israel were like, bring it on. We want God to visit us. Malachi's got some news for them. Prepare the way. Uh, The end of that analogy, which is really important, the end of the analogy where uh, the royal dignitary or the king would say, prepare the way, was when they were coming, for those that have read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, what would happen is when the king actually was coming, they would send out a dignitary, they would send a party out to the king that would welcome them and usher them into the village. For those that have read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which speaks about those that will meet the Lord, they're not going that way, they're ushering the Lord in coming this way. Today, I urge everybody to make room in their hearts and make way for the king. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way. He will make the way. He will remove the hurdles. That's what I love about Jesus. Uh, That mechanic that was sitting at his ute knew exactly where the machine was. and In his eyes, it was impossible. I can't make the journey. I can't get there. And so it was with us. There was a time when there were so many hurdles between us and God. But Jesus came and he cleared the way. Jesus came and made the way easy. Have a listen to what Isaiah has to say. Uh, The prophet Isaiah in chapter 40. You can write this down and read it later on if you like. Uh, A little bit of a context of Isaiah. The first 35 chapters of Isaiah are about confrontation. The prophet confronts the people of Israel for their sin and their idolatry. Uh, Then we have uh, three chapters, chapter 36 to 39, which are historical and they're all about confiscation, how God is going to take them out of the land, take the temple away from them, which is heralding the day of the Babylonian exile. And then from 40 to 66, all of the chapters are messianic and they're speaking about consolation. God always has a plan to bring us back. God always has a plan to restore us. God doesn't come to destroy us. We are going to see he visits us to purify us. That's why he comes to the temple. He doesn't want to rub our sins in our face. He doesn't want to condemn us. He wants to restore us. He wants to bring us back. Have a listen to what Isaiah says. Similar words to Malachi chapter 40. Verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Verse 3, excuse me, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. If you're in Tasmania, this is really good news. 
Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. And this is all speaking metaphorically of preparing the way for the king. That's what he does. That's what God does. He prepares the way. We look at Pentecost. We look at Acts chapter 2. And we think, oh, wow, wonderful, Holy Spirit, excellent. God has been preparing and working in the background for years. Uh, Paul writing to the Galatians, those foolish, foolish Galatians. Paul writing to the Galatians says, when the time had fully come, God sent his son. In other words, when everything was ready, Jesus came at exactly the right time. It wasn't a surprise. But interestingly, although his birth was heralded for centuries, it surprised nearly everybody. The warning in these words and the warning that comes to us in this season is that when the king first came just over 2,000 years ago, many people missed it. There are people in Israel today still waiting for the Messiah. They missed him. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places are plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Hallelujah. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken this. Prepare the way of the Lord before me and the Lord whom you seek, which is, which is an interesting word because I think what is highlighted here is what is also the case with all of us. You see, you might look at the spiritual condition, and by the way, all of the preparations that Israel need to make, all of the preparations that we need to make, they're not physical preparations. Don't go filling the potholes in, that's the council's job. They are spiritual preparations. You see, we often pray, come Lord Jesus. We often desire God to visit us. That was the desire of Israel. They wanted a divine visitation. That word seek means to seek the face. They weren't seeking the hand. They wanted God to visit. They wanted God to, to come. They wanted his presence. And deep down, I believe every child of God wants his presence. Friends, can I tell you that if, apart from the presence of God, we are just another social club. When I played football, if I didn't turn up to two trainings, one, I got a bollocking, and two, they wanted to know where I was. When I was on the football field, I had 18 other guys that had my back. We all had a common goal. But what separates a church from a community club is the presence of the Almighty God. We worship the King in this place. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come. I'm not talking about the return of Christ. That'll be suddenly too. There's going to be some people going, whoops, missed that. He will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, in whom you desire, behold, he is coming says the Lord of hosts. Interesting uh, tag on the end of that. It'll be just over 400 years. (coughs) 400 years to prepare the way for the Lord. 400 years. There will not be another prophetic utterance for over 400 years. The next prophet they listen to will be John the Baptist. 
And when John the Baptist came at the time of Christ and said, uh, prepare the way of the Lord, what was his message? Repent. Repent. Everybody that came out to John in the wilderness, John, uh, John, we know, he, he, he wore a, a garment of camel's hair and he ate locusts and wild honey and not even John the Baptist would eat kale. But they came out to John the Baptist and he had a message and the message was prepare the way of the Lord. Well, how do we prepare the way? What have we got to do, John? You've got to repent. You've got to turn away from your sin. The Christian life is not defined by perfection. Spiritual perfectionism will kill you spiritually. Let me give you a heads up right now. While you are here on planet Earth, while you are here, perfectionism is not possible. 1 John chapter 1 says that if we say we do not sin... We sin and we make God out to be a liar. But what he goes on to say, that if we do sin, if we walk in the light as Christ is in the light, then the blood of Christ cleanses us. Present participle means ongoing cleansing. If you walk in the light, what does it mean to walk in the light? Here I am before you. No, no, no. The Christian life is not defined by perfection. It's defined by direction. What John the Baptist was saying, what Malachi is saying, is turn away from your sins. Turn away from your idolatry. Turn away from your idleness. Put away these, uh, your flippant commitment to your covenants and commitment. Put all that away and return to the Lord. Change the direction of your life. And, and so we might say, well, that just looks like a, we, we just have to look really spiritual and get on our knees and pray and, and all those things are good. But they were doing that in Malachi's time. They were weeping over the altar but he says I'm not hearing you God wants to visit but we need to prepare the way God wants to visit each one of us but we need to prepare the way and so John the Baptist says keep bear fruit in keeping with repentance They said, what does this look like, John? And he says, for you that has two tunics, give give one to the one who has none. But when the Pharisees came, he looked them in the eye and said, you brood of vipers. Imagine if we had preachers like that today. Let's let's move on. For the Lord of hosts, but now, uh, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? That's the message Malachi has for Israel. You're seeking God. You want a divine visitation from God. Do you think you will endure that? When God's presence comes, uh, you go back through church history. You go back through biblical history. Every single revival was predicated by deep repentance. People weeping over their sin turning away from their sin. Why? Because when the presence of God comes, the impurities rise to the surface. God does not cohabitate. 
Let's have a look at what he says. But who can endure? Who can stand? That's a, that's a military term. Here's what, here's what Malachi is saying to Israel. Uh, you seek the king, a divine visitation. We'll make the way clear. He is going to visit. But who will endure? Who will hold their ground? That's the military term. Who will hold their ground before? Who is it that will stand? Before? None of us in this room, if Christ did not enable us, would stand before the king. None of us. We only stand because we wear his garments. Have a look in the gospel accounts when they had a theophany of God. Have a listen to what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. Whenever anybody encountered the glory of God, they needed a touch so that they could be and stand. The disciples all fell in fear of the voice that they heard. Nobody else heard the voice. FYI. Everybody else thought it had thundered at the baptism. But notice... All of the disciples were prostrate on the ground until Jesus touched them, it says. Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell with a people of unclean lips, Tasmanian. And he says, and the angel takes a coal from the altar. Yes. None of us would stand if it wasn't for Jesus. The message of the gospel is this. The king has come and been revealed and you will submit willingly now. He came to take nothing from us. You know, earthly kings demand taxes. They demand things from us. He came to give to us. He came to give us everything. And the message is this. You will bow your knee now or you will still bow your knee later. It's just too late. What does it look like when he comes? I'm glad you asked. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? Why? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. The presence of God is like a fire. I've had moments, snippets, seasons, we probably all have at some point in our lives, when the, when the presence of God was so, it's like a weight, so presses in on us that, like Peter, we say, let us build a tent and stay here forever. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, which is interesting. <clears throat> Silversmiths in ancient times, would refine the impurities out of silver. Uh, a refiner's fire would apply a heap of heat to a clump of what looks like nothing but rock. But when you heat it, the silver inside. And the more you heat it, the silver rises to the surface uh, and the impurities are able to be scraped away. And the more you heat it and the more you gently uh, place it in the furnace, the more the silver comes out. Here's, here's a question for each of us as we examine our own hearts. And If we underwent the refiner's fire today, how much silver is in our hearts? I remember at the radiator shop, I think I've told this story before, solder is a lot like silver in many ways. 
and we had a big contract. And at the same time we had the big contract, we ran out of solder. I remember saying to, to the old fellow, the old fellow, by the way, was 80 when I started and 88 when I finished. Go figure. I said, Trevor, we need to fill this contract, but we've run out of solder. Now, I don't know why Noah gave it to him, but this solder had been in the shed for a very, very long time. It came off the boat. It was like, and it was the dirtiest, cruddiest solder I'd ever seen. And when you're doing radiators and soldering, everything has to be really, really clean. So we had to heat the solder. And something amazing happened. We put it in big buckets, applied enormous heat to it, and all of the impurities and dirt just floated to the surface. And we just skimmed it off. And what was left underneath was pure tin and lead solder. It's the same in our own lives. You see, Jesus doesn't come to his temple to condemn us and to destroy us. He comes to turn up the heat of his presence so that the impurities will rise to the surface. A silversmith needed two tools, fire and a furnace. And I don't know about anybody else, but has anybody ever felt like that God's got me in the furnace? Anybody else ever felt like I've done a season in the furnace and God's turned up the heat and you're not sure what's going on? That furnace could look like all sorts of challenges and you don't know what's going on. You think everybody's against you. You think maybe God's even against me, but God's got you in the furnace and that furnace is often affliction, suffering. Can I ask a question this morning? Who wants, who wants to be in a church like they were in the first church. How many people want to, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Not so many people put their hands up. Uh, When we look at the book of Acts, and we will next year, what we will see is there was amazing presence of God. There was fear and awe, amazing miracles. Thousands of people were saved. How many people want to see that? That church was put into a furnace of persecution that I can't describe in English words. What Nero and the Roman Empire did to the first church, and you can't snuff out God's church. But the impurities rose to the surface. Peter the Apostle could not read or write. He writes two epistles at the hand of Silvanus. He orates the Gospel of Mark, but God uses him. For those that read the pastor's comments this morning, it's not Jesus and me. It's not me and Jesus. It's Jesus in us. Uh, Let me bring this around and sum it up for you. The king is coming to visit his temple. But can I be honest with you for a moment? I'll get back to preaching in a second. But if I can be honest with you for a moment. When the heat gets turned up, some don't endure. And this morning, I want Christmas to be all about 
making way for the king. I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come back. We're going to finish with a song, great song. But I want to ask you this morning, is your heart blocked up? Are there things in your life that are standing in the way? Is there things in your life you need to put down today? Maybe there's things you need to pick up. You see, for Israel in Malachi's time, he's heralding prepare the way for the king. And this is what it looked like for them. And and we'll finish Malachi next week. But here's what it looked like. Stop giving God your leftovers. Stop giving God your leftovers. Leave your blind lambs and your blemished lambs at home and bring God your best. Stop running away from your commitments and your covenants and run towards God. Return to him. Sometimes returning looks like you've got to put some stuff down. Sometimes it looks like you've got to pick some stuff up. I don't know where you are today in your walk with Christ, but I give you this warning. As your pastor, I have to give you this warning. The king is coming to his temple. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying... I've never submitted to the king. Today's the day. Maybe you're sitting here saying, you know what? I, I've, kind of, I've kind of drifted away from the king. Today I'd ask you to prepare your way for the king. Maybe you're sitting here saying, you know what? I don't ever want there to be anything standing between me and him. The psalmist says, search my heart, O God, and examine me. Join me in prayer before we sing. Father, as we sit before you this morning, search our hearts. Prepare in our hearts a clear way for the King. Holy Spirit, you're the greatest heart surgeon in the universe. I pray that as we sing this last song, Holy Spirit, you would do your work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.